Hello, sunshine. Hello, sunshine. Hello, sunshine. Gotta make hay while the sun shines. What's this? This is Hello, Sunshine. What if by sharing our stories, we could change the world? Welcome to Hello, Sunshine. Hi, everybody. I'm Maeve Higgins, and this is My Best Breakup, the show about the breakups that transform our lives. A love affair with a place is a particularly strong one, isn't it? The people there, the smells, the bar where everybody says hi to you when you come in. So why would anybody ever want to break up with a place that's so great and so full of love and good memories? As we know well, sometimes the love doesn't die, but you have to break up with it anyway, so that you can explore your own ambitions. And that is exactly what my guest this week had to do. Galen Lee is a fiddle player, she's a songwriter and a disability advocate, and she's completely in love with her home, which is Duluth, Minnesota. Now, Duluth might not sound like it's worthy of love, per se. It gets so cold up there, but Galen cannot deny her feelings. When she won NPR's Tiny Desk Contest, though, she decided to pack up and ship out on tour, leaving her beloved behind. Now, I was a touring comedian for many years. I would spend maybe between three and five months on the road each year. And the thing is, I always thought that's the life I wanted. I thought it was so glamorous, like airports and hotels and people like picking you up and bringing you to the theatre to perform. And then during a three month tour of Australia, I lost one shoe in four different hotels. I had four pairs of shoes that I was travelling with and I left one of each pair under a bed or I don't even know, I don't know where I left it. I lost a shoe in four different hotels. So I like returned back home to Ireland with four individual shoes, like some kind of like weird murderer who collected mementos. (laughs) I didn't know what to do with them. And that just shows you how like discombobulated you feel. You never know really where anything is. You're not really in control of your own time. And it's like a funny, disconnected way of living. Yeah, it's really exciting and it's fun and you get to travel, but it's also very inhospitable at times. So I understand a little bit about what Galen's going through. Soon, you will too. You'll also get to hear her incredibly beautiful music alongside her story. For Galen, there were really two love affairs. The first one started when she was just a little girl. A weird memory of home for me as a child is like roaming this place. It was like this place of shops and they had like a coffee shop and some restaurants and like kind of hanging out there like for most of my childhood, like (laughs) besides school, I guess. And so I would know all the people that worked there and my friends would come down and we would like, I started drinking coffee when I was 10 because (laughs) there's a coffee shop there, you know, and like, like a cool French girl. (laughs) <laughs> oh no! Well, I wish, but I had so much. I had, I, I like had them put in so much chocolate that one time the guy got annoyed and just gave me chocolate milk, and I was really offended in my head. But then now I realize, like, I kept it being like, "Can I have a little more chocolate in here?" Because I really didn't like coffee. I just wanted to like coffee, you know. So I don't know. So home was like this place where we had, um, yeah, this this cool place to grow up where where I was like free to kind of explore and hang out with friends and um, like kind of ingrain myself in this downtown part of Duluth. It's right downtown. Um, I don't know, right by the lake. And so that was, that was a big part of it. And then 
you know, when by the time you graduate high school, like I really wanted to leave. Mm. I didn't want to stay there anymore. But when I came back, it's like, how did I ever want to leave? So did you leave for college? Yeah, I went to a place called McAllister College for three years. And then I got really sick uh, after my junior year. Um, and I almost died over the summer. Oh and then gosh. I got better, which which was good. I mean, obviously, because I'm alive. But um, but but when I went back to school my senior year, I was really anxious and wasn't really myself. So I moved back home. With, and I thought it was just going to be for one semester. Yeah. To like get feel better and like get counseling and whatever and then but I fell in love with Duluth again and I started performing um, music like I was going to this fiddle jam once a week with this again this familiar group of people that were there every week and I got to know one of them pretty well Um, his name was Andy and we decided to start a band and Mm -hmm. I remember playing at our like I guess what I fell in love with the most about Duluth is the music culture so we we played in this festival called Homegrown Music Fest, which has been going on for over 20 years now. I have to ask, because I've never been to Duluth. Like, what is the music culture? Like, what's the kind of sound that I'd expect to hear there? I know your music, but what's like this homegrown festival and you and your friend Andy? What was it that you were slotting into back then? Yeah, it Duluth sound is like sad indie folk. <laughs> <laughs> um, like... Like, I mean, it's it's a little bit melancholy. And yeah. I think it's because, oh, the big part I left out about Duluth is it's in northern Minnesota. So it's winter for about six months of the year. So, wow. like, the, the reason I love Lake Superior is it changes. Every season, it's different. Like, in the spring, or there's these ice shards breaking up and getting onto shore. And then in the summer, it's, like, beautiful, but it can be, like, calm and wavy. Or, like, there's so many different moods. And then yeah. in the winter it often freezes almost not all the way over, but it freezes. And so, and it just makes this huge, like you can sit and watch the lake and hear the ice crack. And it's like a big timpani drum. It's very beautiful. So I think yeah. that affects the music, the music that of comes course. out of here. Yeah. is like, like introspective or like, um, just a little bit melancholy, but still up, like still overall hopeful. And so mm. it's a very cool, I don't know if I could name like one, quote-unquote sound because there's many different kind of sounding bands but Mm -hmm. that seems to be like a tied together um like this melancholy but hopeful vibe okay so you went back there and I also understand why like I think why you wanted to leave just because every you know a lot of people have that impulse you're like a teenager and you get to college age you're like this little town can't keep me <laughs> but, um, <laughs> <I> know, <exactly. laughs> but so you you came back again and it sounds like you um started this whole new love affair with Duluth so um that was because you started to play music would you say I do I remember very specifically I did my first homegrown and like the people you know are like like everybody who's in a band plays so like this last year there's about 200 bands and you have to be local to play in it they don't have any national acts unless you happen to be from Duluth and you made it national. So like Charlie Parr or Lowe, they'll play, but nobody else like from outside of the state comes in to perform. And so it's a very like, very like hometown kind of vibe. Um, mm-hmm. And and we did our first show and it was packed and like all our friends were there and it was so fun. And then about a week later, I remember I was at a party and I called Andy and I was like, you know, I'm really sad that I'm moving back to St. Paul to finish up school like I really like playing with you and he said well you don't have to move back like you could graduate from UMD 
the school in our town. And I was like, I guess I could. I never really like, you know how you like have your mind made up and you don't really think of the alternatives. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I am. I'm going to graduate from UMD. And if I hadn't done that and like stayed in Duluth, there's no way I'd be doing what we're doing now. Like everything Mm -hmm. unfolded in a pretty particular way um, because of the Duluth music community. And um, yeah, I just never would have. Yeah. Wouldn't have. No way I would have entered the tiny desk or any of that stuff if I hadn't stayed in Duluth. So the music community definitely kept me here. And uh, yeah, and, that, and I'm glad. Galen has a community. She has Lake Superior, an ice that makes sounds like a timpani. It's like she was living in a beautiful poem. But Galen has to break up with Duluth so she can bring her music to other parts of the country and to other countries. We did the first show in New York City, actually, with the so we went to DC first and then after that about a month later we went to New York City and um and on the way home my husband and I were talking and he was like that was really fun and I was like I mean could you see us doing something like that and he actually said well I mean you know home is kind of wherever you are you know what I mean like Mm. I think we could you know I, I don't have to be one place to be happy and that's when we started talking about touring um but there was like some mixed emotions yeah and I really liked my life the way it was but I would imagine too just as because like I'm a performer and I do shows I do like stand-up comedy but like if you go out once and like have a show and you understand the demand for for tickets and like there's this feeling that you're like oh people want this just that energy of like oh my god we could actually keep doing this like there's so many more people want to see me how did that feel well that was a definitely a, a weird experience like mm-hmm. in a I mean it, you know because when you are playing in your hometown the people there have seen you play like 800 times which is fine you know they're supportive of you and they're excited about what you're doing but it's very different to play for like a new audience who's never seen what you do um to me it, I guess it wasn't like oh man Demand is so great because, uh, to be honest, we still play shows that are tiny sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's very un- unreliable. But I guess what it was is like we have this opportunity to try something that I really don't think is going to present itself again. Mm-hmm. And like, I have no idea how it's going to go. But if we don't do it now, we're not going to be able to do it in 10 years in the same way. Like mm-hmm. we had like people were emailing us and being like, can you come out to Washington? Can you come to my place in Kansas or whatever. And, yeah. and it was just like, when else are we going to, if we don't do it now, I think we're going to be missing um, a chance to do something. It's kind of just rare. Had you traveled a lot before that tour? We hadn't traveled like far from home together because we didn't actually have enough money to do that regularly. But we did love camping a lot. Mm-hmm. And so what we did the summer before, it's like we were training and we didn't even know it. <laughs> like the summer before we got a tent that my wheelchair could park inside of. And we camped at this one campground about a half hour outside of our home city, like, you know, not that far away. And we would drive into work every day. So we like lived in our tent for like almost a month because we really like the idea of like kind of being not nomads, but like, you know what I mean? Like not tied to any one place. And so I think that's why this idea of traveling with music was so appealing was like, as much as I felt very rooted in my home community, and I still do, but it, it is harder when you're not there um, as often. But like, I felt really rooted, but I also loved the idea of 
like wherever we were, that's where our home was at that moment. Were you ever scared to be uprooted? I mean, there was a lot of like change all at once. There was some stress with like, we sold the house when Mm -hmm. we decided we were serious about it because we didn't want to have to like try to keep up a home and never be home at the same time. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just too much to think about. The scary part was like, well, am I still going to have like the relationships that I have now, like the friendships I have? And then just the idea of like, what if it doesn't work? But that didn't really bother me as much as it probably would have for other people because some <laughs> some part of my brain, deluded or not, was like, well, if it doesn't work, we'll just go back to our old lives. You know, like, we'll just come back. So how was it? How was touring? And what did you love about touring? <laughs> touring was way different than I thought because mm-hmm. when NPR plans your tour, They're like flying you there and booking your hotel and like taking really great care of you. When you're doing it yourself, like our first tour, um, I mean, the performing has always been great. Like meeting the people. There's so many unexpected things about how your definition of home expands when you're on the road. And that's what I never thought about or knew. Um, But the but the first tour, we're we're thinking like, oh, we got to save money. Let's get the cheapest hotels possible on Priceline. And like a few of them, we thought we were going to die. Like, so we're like, okay. Change of plans. Wait, Let's you, get like, a few of what, of what you thought you were going to die. <laughs> the, ho- the hotels. I mean, some oh. of them were so sketchy. And I was like, this is not fun. Like, what are we doing? So, yeah, if there's one hotel where I like parked my electric wheelchair in front of the door so nobody could like come in or whatever. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> it was, well, it was not in a good neighborhood, but it was cheap. And that is not the how best much, priority. Do you remember how much it was it like? $22 like, a night or was it like oh not that cheap it was like 60 bucks but it was in Baltimore and we it, everything was expensive I mean like there I'm so and then there are some barriers that we didn't expect like um you know places that we thought would get a ramp didn't get a ramp for the stage and so Paul's lifting me up and like oh. not just that but like just not accessible places and so it's kind of an eye-opener like it was still really fun and then and then the thing is is if your crowds aren't big as you know you don't get paid a lot. So I think there was one gig on the first tour where I made $12, but we each individually tipped the bartender $5 without talking to each other. So we like netted $2 and we're like, so I called my dad. I remember distinctly, I called my dad and I was like, man, dad, this just happened. And he started laughing. He's like, why'd you go all the way to North Carolina to make $2? And I was like, I don't know. So like, you know, the beginning is you don't know what to expect. And so that was a little bit surprising, but then there were these beautiful parts, like, um, you know, not on the first tour, but on the first tour, we met all these people that were really nice. But then the coolest part is the second or third time you come back, they keep, you know, the people that you get to know come back again and they become your friends, you know? And I had no idea. So also I'd imagine like when you're home in Duluth and like you're used to playing all these venues all the time and like, you obviously know where you're going to go and sleep because it's like your home. Um, even like for me as somebody who's able-bodied, like is it a misconception that I have that it would be more difficult for somebody with mobility issues to travel and like make it happen that way? No, it is more difficult, unfortunately. Um, you know, for example, like the venues... Um, I'm doing my own booking right now be- just mm-hmm. because I had so much problems like 
really knowing that where I was going to go was going to work, you know, because yeah. I wasn't the one communicating with the venues. And it's it's really hard to like get somewhere and be excited for the show and then realize like you can't fit in their bathroom or you can't like um, definitely. I mean, the green room is sort of like icing on the cake. A lot of times I can't get to the green room no matter where I'm playing. Oh, um, that's where the, the snacks base. are. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> so it's annoying. in the basement or upstairs or whatever. So, yeah. but but even like a basic bathroom or the stage or a venue says, "Oh, we didn't know you needed a ramp," and it's like, "Well, did you look at a picture of me?" Because I'm in a huge wheelchair, you know. Yeah. Um. So that was frustrating, and then it's a little trickier because staying at people's houses isn't usually an option, and so mm. the reason we do hotels instead of saving money by crashing on floors is it's just so hard. Even if people say, "Oh, I only have." one step a lot of times they don't really have a good understanding of what it means to be accessible um so you get there and there's actually four steps instead of one because they never counted the other three and it's not their right. fault like it's just not in our consciousness um yeah and then and then the other thing is just like transportation overseas is a lot harder to coordinate um not impossible like you know flying with your wheelchair is trickier all these things are a little bit harder um but we have our own van in the states and canada so when we travel on this continent it's like at least we have our own transportation and then we do hotels which does add quite a lot of cost because you're like i can only do five stars <laughs> yeah right no 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 we do quality inns my right. friend but the quality inns have designated accessible rooms and like it's it's a national chain cool. and as much as i love small business there is something to be said for like national chains actually adhering to the americans with disabilities act and so like if i really need to use the bathroom on the road i know that a starbucks is gonna have a bathroom and i don't know if any other place is yeah you know like so those touchstones it's kind of weird to suddenly actually appreciate like a giant corporation because i used to be like Oh, me small, you know, businesses or whatever. But but now you're sponsored by Starbucks, and you're yeah, right. I wish <laughs> that would be awesome because I would drink. I drink so much coffee now; it's ridiculous. In a sense, Galen has found another love in this breakup process, and that love is being on the road. It's not easy, but there are moments that make it all worth it, especially when she makes new connections with people in places she never expected. There's so many positives, like um, people will come to the show and just their feedback at the end, um, like come up and talk to me about why a song helps them get through a hard time or this last year or whatever. What do they say? Like somebody said this last year was really hard for me and I listened to your album like on repeat and it really helped me a lot. And things like that yeah. are really cool to hear. Or I'll see a little kid, um, you know, I do a lot of speaking at schools when I get a chance, like. Um, it, it's something that I do in addition to shows is like maybe the next day I'll go to an elementary school and a lot of times the teachers will forward me notes that kids write after like seeing the performance and it'll be like, you know, I, I didn't realize, you know, I don't know, like I didn't realize I was in a cocoon, but now I know I'm free. Like great things like that where you're oh. like, oh, that's so cool. And, or like an adult sent me an email the other day about how she's 47 and she has a disability and she realized at my show that she had never seen a person with a visible disability performing before and it, how it meant a lot to her. Hmm. And she hopes that younger generations will get to see that. There's like feedback like that. I don't know. And, and it's not just the feedback, like 
the best, I mean, I think my favorite part is like the friendships that you develop. Like yeah. there's a couple people, like I can think of five or 10 people that I like really, really have grown to appreciate and they go out of their way to like make us feel welcome when they're there and they're just really cool people. Like this one guy in England <laughs> named Richard, he helped me find a show in Ithaca, New York because he has a good friend there. And then <laughs> he like, in advance of the show, he like, he told her like what kind of beer and food that we like and she like had it for us but it was because he coordinated it from England and it was like so heartwarming I mean there's just so many times where you're like what the heck like you're so lucky to be on the road for sure and you've got your new album that just came out learning how to stay It's a beautiful album. I really love Bound by a Thread. And I thought, you know, when I was listening to it, I was thinking about that we were going to be speaking about home. And to me, that song was kind of about staying or going and not really knowing how things are going to work out. So I was wondering, like, how much of the album is related to, you know, you and your husband deciding to uproot and your feelings about home? Overall, the album is about the concept of just being present. Like, mm. um, and so home really is wherever you are. Like literally every night we're like, let's go home. And we just mean the hotel. We don't actually mean home. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so um, like, I think to me, the idea of like, you don't know the future and you really have to just be in the present and taking it in for what it is and not necessarily, even if it's not pleasant, like not shoving it away and, mm. you know, like, just being present. And so I don't know if it necessarily relates to home, but it does relate to the idea of, I don't know how long we're going to be doing what we're doing now. Like, yeah, I just have, I have zero idea of what the future holds. The album to me was like a way to express that idea of like, even through like these drastic changes, the important things are just like being present and then like connecting to other people. And, and you can do that wherever you are, you know, um, in our case right now most of that's happening away from home but yeah um but then there's these touchstones it's so good to hear you though because like comedians and touring and even like I just wrote a book and it's like should I go to this city and you know what if only six people show up and like it's all very like by the numbers and like how you know is this a sign of success or failure but like to hear your metrics which are like I go there and I make this connection with this like man in London who then like helps me out in Ithaca, who I can like shout out on a podcast. Like that's beautiful. You know, that was really good to hear. Oh, that's cool. I mean, the main thing is that I think it's good to hear, Galen, <laughs> that you cheered me up. Well, yes. Well, no, but I mean, it's, it's been, that's like what keeps me going because if you look at metrics, we're probably not like somebody's like, oh, I got to get on the Galen train because... She's going to the top. You know what I mean? Like yeah. <laughs> our shows are like getting a little bit better every year. Like every two years, I feel like there's progress, but it's not, you can't really measure it by numbers. I mean, I know you have to pay the bills and we are doing that. And that's amazing. Like, I feel really grateful that we can do that. But beyond that, like, I don't think the metrics are really where you will get your fulfillment from touring. You know, like it really, it's like a much more wonderful community than I imagine. Cause like, if you remember that an audience of 10,000 people is the same 
as an audience of six in a weird way because everybody at that show like is there because they need they they want to be and they need to hear from you like then it kind of shifts the focus away from that definitely well thank you so much for this wisdom it's just what i needed to hear galen you're the best yay oh well thank <laughs> you yeah well i think about this stuff a lot so yeah that glad i could rant about it with somebody <laughs> rant <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if a breakup story has ever made me feel so light and happy. Even through the tough times, Galen knew that she could always go back home, even if it wasn't quite the same as before. And I'm delighted that she was able to break up with her home so that she could travel and bring her beautiful music to people outside of Duluth. We're all a luckier for it. But I know too that going home can be complicated. One of you guys wrote to me on Instagram. Hi, Savannah. Thank you so much for your message. Savannah said that visiting home can make her feel anxious and stressed. And when she's left and gone back to her regular life, she feels guilty for feeling anxious and stressed when she was at home. I get that. I really do. I think we all have these expectations and set ideas of what home must be. But home changes and we change, so go easy on yourself. There could well be good reasons to feel anxious when you're there. Maybe there are people or memories that are bad for you. So check in with yourself often. And it's always good to have a little escape plan, whether that's knowing where to go to take a walk or connecting with an old friend outside of the family for coffee or literally a plane ticket back to your real life. My guest this week was Galen Lee and the music you heard in the episode, well, it's hers. Seriously, you need to go and listen to her newest album, Learning How to Stay. You can find Galen on Twitter at Galen Lee, that's G-A-E-L-Y-N-N-L-E-A. And for more about this show, head over to our website, hello-sunshine.com. We'll be back next week with another story about breaking up and moving on. Next week, actually, we're talking about breaking up with a seriously toxic partner. It's a good one. I hope you listen. It's with Shan Boudram, Shan Booty, host of Makeup or Breakup. So I open his laptop and you know with mm-hmm. Max, your text messages go to your computer. Like if it's oh, synced yes. up. The iMessages. Yeah. Yeah. So girl, I open the computer and his text messages and I see him live sexting this girl. <gasps> and so I join the conversation. Use the hashtag MyBestBreakup and tell us about your best breakup. Who knows, maybe you'll be next on our show. Oh, and did you know we have a Facebook group? We do. Search for My Best Breakup on Facebook and join the conversation about the breakups that transform our lives. And make sure to subscribe and review applepodcast.com slash breakup or wherever you listen to podcasts. Five stars, please. My Best Breakup is a production of Hello Sunshine. It's executive produced by Amy S. Choi, Charlotte Coe, Rebecca Lair and Reese Witherspoon. Senior producer is Lindsay Cradwell and sound design is by Jocelyn Gonzalez and Samantha Gatsek. Music is composed by Jeff Tang. Production support by Shelby Sandlin and Mary Philip Sandy. If somebody made a movie about your breakup, who would play you? 
I don't know. Maybe like one of the squirrels from Ice Age, that squirrel <laughs> that tries to get the nut. <laughs> that's, that's what I most identify with if you're talking about movies. <laughs> 